Golf's no different from hockey. Requires talent, self-discipline. Golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. You should talk to my neighbor, the accountant, probably a great golfer, huge ass. How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Creamer, and you're listening. Well, we're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai. And you're listening to Quiet, Please. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. Hiya, boys. Nice day for golf, eh? Quiet, please. Oh, you got secrets, eh? Hey, this is Shooter McGavin. You're listening to the... Hey, you guys. Hey, we're trying to have a podcast over here. Jeez. That's my best Thanksgiving turkey, boys. I'm sorry. That, that was good. <laughs> You're a turkey. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Where is this? All right. Quiet, please. Um, Alan, if you quiet, please. With the fearless foursome. Once again, Christian doing Christian. He's, he's, we'll get to that in a second. I got Andy Hydorn. I got Brendan Elliott. And I got Boston slash Bourbon Bob Baldessari. And Brendan is desperately looking for to turn himself into a turkey right now. <laughs> oh, How does he do that? How does he do that? I don't know, but that is not a turkey. <laughs> oh yeah, just change his, change the cow's sweater. That helps. <laughs> He's gonna have every animal up there. Oh, yeah. we're recording Tuesday night. You're gonna hear this on Wednesday. It's Thanksgiving week. It means we're into the end of the the end of fall season PGA tour. Brendan is still changing emoji <laughs> images on our Zoom as we're recording. Uh, cool. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody! In happy Thanksgiving too. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's I. You know, I have gone out hunting for turkey once previously in my past life, and that was my turkey gobble. <laughs> Best you use that. If you, you hit your drive again for us one more time. Yeah, if you hit your drive in the woods, you use it. <laughs> Go ahead. What? Do it again. Good. <laughs> That's perfect. Thanks. Thanks. All right. So, all right. We've got. We've got. Uh, Breaking news from last week to follow up on, i.e., Tiger cannot afford a backup generator. Um, I said it. I said it, by the way, right after the Ryder Cup, forever to be known only as Ludwig. <laughs> One name. That's because He's no one else knows how to say his last name. It, yeah, it's Aber. A, no, it's a bear. No, it's Obear. Oh, shit. <laughs> Point. <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> I'm wearing flannel. I'm ready to go turkey hunting. We're good. All right, boys. So, uh, Tiger, why can Tiger Woods, Bob, you live down in that area, why can he not afford to have a generator? <laughs> if anybody knows, basically, Tiger's uh, indoor golf Power outage, the entire thing collapsed, and the entire season is getting postponed to 2025. Yeah, if you live in South Florida, you use a generator. It's Hurricane Alley. I mean, and I guess the people putting that together, they didn't have the foresight, but you would think the 
the type of people putting that together, the type of facility, the type of money. I, I'm, I like literally was dumbstruck. They didn't have a backup generator. And by the way, I also read in the, I guess I was going to say the newspaper, but I, I guess that kind of dates me, but it was online. Uh, but it was, I think, in the uh, Palm Beach Post that not only did the, the roof fall down, but there, I believe there'll be a lawsuit of some sort because they cut down a bunch of majestic old oak trees and some real good specimens. So maybe the karma is not doing too good there. Andy? <laughs> I, I I mean, I, I find it all kind of trivial at this point. Um, because when the TGL does actually launch, I think it'll be great if it launches under no undue stress, right? And and they're in a good situation with a good building and a good facility and they can deliver a good product. So does it matter to me? Not one bit that they're postponing a year. It doesn't matter. And Mr. Elliott, as our, our chief media writer uh, extraordinaire, and most connected with all things media, ESPN endorses and supports this decision. I do too. I mean, I'm, I I feel like Andy does. I was a little bummed at the beginning because I was looking forward to seeing how this thing was going to play out. But if we got to wait another year for it, for them to, you know, make sure that things like the roof don't fall in on when they're playing, <laughs> that's a good thing, I think. The roof, the roof. The hey, roof before we forget, can we can we at least acknowledge one thing right here and right now? That Bourbon Bob is that guy, meaning is. is the guy who puts his Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving. <laughs> I did not do that. That was my oh, wife. Oh wow! Yeah, you funny. endorsed, but you endorsed it. <laughs> I had to move the box and I had to move the ladder, but she got bored. So I'm not going to lie, though. Uh, Heather was playing Christmas music in the house today. No trees are up, but we definitely had Christmas music. But we didn't but we didn't put the official real the, the, the tree we're going to use for presents. So this is a decoration thing. How many trees do you put up? <laughs> exactly. Usually three. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's right. kids running can, around the house. Can, can I yeah. can I? Can I stay on point here? Yes, okay. please. Okay. okay. Tiger collapses that in there, but he rises. See what I did here? Because he has announced he is in the hero. His, yeah. his spot, he always leaves open for himself. If he's deciding to play, he decided to play. Mr. Elliott? I think it's interesting because he, I, he, I had read somewhere that he had said uh, – where he got real open, which he never does about his health. That was, what, a week ago or two weeks ago? He said the heel's fine. Um, it's just everything that he was doing to protect it when it wasn't good is bothering him now. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I always get my hopes up, but I don't think I'm going to let myself do that this time. That's how the body works. When you're limping one way, you're protecting PC. You know, we've all been there where – the one area of the shoulder, this knee starts to feel better and then bang. And I, I, you know, personally, I was pretty excited when he was going to play. Hopefully, hopefully he can play reasonably well, you know, just get the excitement back. I mean, that would be nice to get him back in the mix. Bobby, I cannot appreciate that because I mean, anyone, I am a physical specimen that turns 69 degrees on my shoulder turn. And 
I cannot understand how the body compensates for its failures in other ways. Well, I've, been, I've, had, I've, had, I've had five surgeries, ankle, two right knee, both shoulders. I can attest a bad back. Um, yeah, your body just adapts differently when you're protecting this area. And then you get into bad habits in golf. I get into some awful habits, played awful, protecting a shoulder, knee, you name it. Uh, but I, you know, I could see that happening with him. But hey, maybe let's get some good medical. Uh, I think that test was walking with his son for those state Florida State golf. And if he could walk, he's probably feeling pretty good. Yeah, yeah I, I unfortunately have to say that I'm so over this Tiger comeback thing. Like, I don't give two shits whether he plays or not anymore. I mean, I just think he's, oh. I just think he's he's done. And I, I I'll root for him if he if he gets good and or is that the opposite of the lean in, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> but but I don't really. I mean, it, it, like, how many times are we going to see this thing play out? It's you, it's it's like the same. You've become, thing. You've become Christian or little Christian, Mister like cynical about TW. I love Tiger. I love Tiger. By the way. I got some awesome skinny on the whole Tiger Erica thing, by the way. I probably can't share here. <laughs> oh, exclusive. Oh. Exclusive. Like, like, like serious, like from Erica's best buddies. Mm. Yeah. Pretty interesting. But anyway, I digress. The the Let's just start doing I, shots while we record the show and see how this turns out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey loose up there, guy. <laughs> hey, hey, Alan, can we, can we digress one more bit, a little bit back to that uh, TGL? But I don't, I don't know, I don't know, Bobby. I've got such very stringent notes that we are, we're working off of this week. <laughs> I know we're, we're started, you know, off started the freaky show with a turkey gall. <laughs> stick to the outline. Stick to the outline. <laughs> this will be the highest rated show, though. I, I want to cut the corner on something, but uh, you know, I did. I got to thinking probably, I don't know, recently anyways, but this, you know, there's the live, there's the TGL, there's all these things that, you know, we talk about trying to attract new eyeballs to the game. And, you know, at one point I'm starting to think, is it going to go overboard and get to be stupid and ridiculous and goofy? And I know when the skins game started, remember way back when the original skins game and that was, I, I want that to come back and I yeah. want the player to use their own money. That'll interest me. I think eyeballs get on there. If they got to put up a hundred thousand each, two hundred thousand, let's get four professional golfers. Actually, I don't care who it is. Let's get four golfers that want to put up a quarter million, play for skins. I'll be interested in that. I'm not real interested in this TG TGL thing. I can't even say it right half the time. I'm really not. It's getting to be almost over the top goofy. And then everybody wants more people to watch golf. It's not going to translate into more golfers. It's been proven. Brendan and I are on the front line. I don't think it's going to translate into more golfers either, but it's going to be golfing entertainment. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting weird on that. I'm I'm now starting to push back on it. Like, like it's just getting weird. I don't know. Bobby, but Bobby, National Golf Foundation. I was. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm speaking next week at the uh, Michigan Golf Course Owners. So if anybody's up in Michigan and listening to us, I'll see you. Um, Michigan golf course owners are preparing for something and 
National Golf Foundation, I pulled a stat that I'm going to use for the presentation. There is more off-course golf participation yep. than there is yep. on-course. Yep. And that's because of the entertainment factor, i.e. Yep. chip or uh, pop stroke and drive shack. Pop and golf, yeah, the whole thing. And what have you. This is just an extension of that. Don't you, yep. don't you agree? Well, this goes back to what Bobby says all the time. It's like Bobby, Bobby's drinking the, bourbon, by the way. <laughs> that that retention piece, it, it's like we always do something to get something, and then we miss one part of it, like the most important part. Retention is huge. You can get all these people to try golf, you know, real golf, we're talking, but then we can't retain them. And the same thing's true with all this off course stuff. We can get them interested in that and saying golf and thinking about golf, but then we can't get them onto the real golf course. So it's but, a problem. Yeah, but maybe maybe it's not, though, right? Because, you know, Alan and I were at this conference um, in the springtime uh, down at Kiowa, and they talked about mm -hmm. the supply and demand issue of golf courses and golfers, and it's at the perfect sweet spot right now, right? So if we're adding all these golfers at the entertainment venues, then that's a good thing all around, I think. Um, and as technology kind of progresses and it becomes cooler and cooler and more real and more real, like that's what I'm most interested in with the TGL is just how cool the technology is. Um, the the putting platform is supposed to be incredible and um you know, the screen's humongous and it's 30 yards away. So I think all of that stuff to me... Play it as it lies, Gilmore. Yeah. <laughs> all that stuff to me is what's interesting about the TGL. Um, and then maybe with technology continuing to evolve and develop, maybe we don't need more people on the golf course. Maybe we need more people at these other alternative venues. By the way, Brendan, that was my failed attempt at the fact that they got to put over scaffolding now at the, the TGL. Just, <laughs> I, don't I, know if anybody I don't know if anybody I connected the dots. I got it. I got it. <laughs> that scene was playing in my head. I, I would I would put the number coming out of COVID in the rally to get into 2024 that probably 10% of golf courses are anywhere close to their golf course being filled or saturated and fortunately on our on our podcast here one of the best golf operators out there mr ad his place cranks but there's very few like your place now and seriously um it, it, you know this this post covid thing it's still there's still a lot of courses that need some golfers well uh, you know i don't know if you know this uh there uh, normie but uh, <laughs> we actually let me give you a, here's the sweet spot the sweet spot is the number of rounds per 18-hole equivalent. And for the first time in 25 years, we're back at a number, which dates back, obviously, into the 90s. We're back to a number where the number of golf courses are sufficient that, you know, the rounds are going to be able to sustain and have viable businesses. Having that's said what, that. That's what they told us at the, at the right. conference. Uh, yes, my good friend Jeff Dugas. Shout out right, to Mr. Dugas. Right, right. You know, a praiser extraordinaire. Yep. Yep. The, 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 the reality is you're still gonna have closures. Like son number two, Mr. Tyler, he's got his he's got his uh his sheet he's working off of in his new position. And you know, we were looking at the sheet, just talking, and he's like, Well, what about this one? I said, Yeah, it's closed. 
What about that one? Yeah, it's closed. The land value will continue to ex exceed the value ever on the golf course. And I don't see more car golf courses replacing. I think there's 15,000, uh, I'm going to say 15,500. I think you're going to have enough, mark my words, it doesn't bottom out until you get to about 13.5. And now that's, that's going to be a yeah. slow, It's the, the pace of closures is slowing, but I don't think it bottoms out until we get down to about 13.5. And that's your business. And I I 100% respect where you're coming from with that because you live that every day. Because what's going to, what's, what's happening is everybody's, everybody's that's an operator, they've gotten beat up for so long. They're going to continue to jack rates. They're going to eventually price out that new golfer that's coming into the game that's just looking for the fun component of it. And then they're going to start. Then, then what's going to happen is they're going to start looking at each other, going, "Wait a minute, we're not getting enough business." So they're going to, now they're going to turn back around. It's going to become like the late 90, 1990s and early two thousands, and everybody's going to discount their way to the bottom. Yep. And I basically just gave you my entire speech for next week in Michigan. Well, I got I got two things I was thinking about since you were talking about that was some trends I'm seeing here in Central Florida. There's two things I'm seeing. There are a few of these defunct courses that are coming back. There's at least three or four that really communities have the, the community itself right. has petitioned to take it over and bring in a management group to to revive it. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense because their property value is probably well, it probably hasn't tanked, but it's sure not helping to have an overgrown course in your backyard. Right, right. But two, there's a lot of courses doing what I think is a big thing to bridge this gap between the non-traditional off-course stuff in the golf course is setting your driving range up is with, with the top tracer bays and and doing the f and b combined with that extending your hours having lights on the range that's getting people to your golf course to your they may not go play the actual golf course but they're coming to your facility using the range eating there that's a good thing i think so so your, your uh, PGA VP, Mr. Don Ray, a friend, friend of us, friend of friend of many, is uh, he just redid his range at Augusta Ranch out in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Planned to spend three hundred thousand dollars to redo and, and incorporate and do exactly what you're talking about. He ends up spending six hundred thousand dollars with the seating and the top tracer and all that everything, but he's killing it, yeah. crushing it with more people coming to the game and trying. Mark this one down, Andy. You can you got you got your pen. Mark this one down. The golf industry, I think, eventually when it all bakes out, you're going to have four four scenarios: high end privates, the Marion golf courses, the Lake Nona's of the world, and what have you, that are so immune to everything that's going on because they don't they don't need it, right? Their their membership supports them. You're gonna have that group. You're gonna have the destination golf courses, the Pinehurst of the world, the Stream Songs, and what have you. You're going to have the really high-end daily fees and some semi-privates in the top 20 MSAs. And then exactly what you're talking about, Brennan, some type of municipal operations. Yep. I think you're going to come back to the muni days. Yeah. People are going to scoop up the munis. And, you know, that's that's what it's going to – That's what it's. but here's the, here's the kicker on that one. They don't want to operate them. Matter of fact, they don't even want to own them. They just want to sit there and yell back and forth, Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, shut this thing down. Why did we buy this? I can't believe we bought this. And they're going to yell at, for, at board meetings for the next 15 years that why the hell did we buy this thing? 
<laughs> Alan, you're just a bitter politician. <laughs> this went into your politician speech. <laughs> I totally agree because that middle middle of the road club is that's the tough one because you're yeah. it's just real tricky. If you're high end or low end, you can you can actually operate and make your profits and all that. That middle one is real tricky. If you are if you are in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, and I love Iowa, by the way, you got no chance. I'm sorry. You just you're gonna you'll scrape by. You'll be one of those, but eventually somebody's gonna it's it's gonna just dry up. It's got to. Or if you're in you know up towards <laughs> Binghamton, New York, there's not a it's yeah. not a big it's not a big market to be able to support you know a bunch of golf courses. They're gonna just close. Now well, the it, only thing that could change that, which has changed it, is COVID and remote work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the remote work thing is still a way that many companies are still doing or doing business since we're past all of this with COVID. And I think that's what's driving the numbers that you can correct me if I'm wrong, Alan and, and Bobby probably that see the numbers. But I think that's what's keeping us holding on is the change that we saw in lifestyle from from COVID. I, I, oh, yeah. I feel, I feel it's the case. And by the way, I didn't have any of this shit, Andy, on my notes for tonight. So, <laughs> who took us down this path, BB? I did take <laughs> us down this path, but it's it needs to be. This. <laughs> but you know, and and I was uh, Brennan. I think you sort of touched on it as far as trying to get new people in the game. And I remember at multiple times, multiple meetings, past president of PGA Markets, Jim Remy, said, mm. you know, at, at at one point we just can't get everybody into the game we we keep trying to say grow the game grow the game let's get everybody into the game but to what brennan and i experienced on the front end and i've been very 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 wicked critical of this whole golf industry everybody falls down makes a big deal high five spends a lot of money a lot of staff hours a lot of resources on the exposure let's get everybody out to a fun event high five photos photo ops press releases they don't do crap for keeping people in the game and retention you get all these kids excited to play the game, get them on the freaking golf course. You don't give them tee times. You don't get them transportation there. So stop doing exposure events. It's a waste of time because Bobby, nothing happens on the back end. I've Bobby, been saying this for 20 years. I believe the NGF number, again, because I was only because I was looking at it today, and I may be off, but I'm pretty close, that in 22, 3.8 million people came to the game or tried the game, had interest yeah. in the game. Andy, would you like to take a guess how many were retained? 3.8 million left, too. Now, 1.3. 1.3 stayed in. Okay. It's always a churn. And if you're going to do... That's nobody, pretty good. Nobody that's plans these good. things out. They yeah, don't big, plan them out no. for the follow-up and retention. No. Yeah, but what they don't say is, are those green grass or are those top flight or top golfs? Right. Top flight. Ooh. Yeah. But to me... That. To me, and I, I totally respect Bob's passion on this this subject because as long as I kn I've known him, especially in our later years, he's been all over this, and and I I appreciate that. Um, I personally think the game is missing that experiential middle ground between a top golf or even just a regular driving range and a golf course. And I think, I think there are 
opportunities or ideas or concepts that could be put into place that kind of are a hybrid of the two and can get people, you know, that next step towards being on the golf course. I think that would go a long way towards, towards helping get people from, I want to try this to paying a greens fee and being on the first tee. Uh, BB has seen the uh, business plan that I laid out. It, it incorporates exactly into that. And I'm just going to mention not, that. Not unlike your uh, uh, tiger, you're not going to speak. I speak no words of. <laughs> but it's an experiential middle ground, right? It's, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, there is like there's an experience about going to a golf course and teeing it up on the first hole and playing. There's an experience about going to Top Golf or going to the regular driving range. There's something that meshes the two in the middle. I think there's something already there. Operation 36. It's a that's a, really that's a great example. So you can put that tees, does, but it does but, take up a golf course. True, but you could put tees like I think that your teeing areas where people start is what bridges that gap, Andy. Is like having tees at 25 yards and 50 yards and having an actual scorecard for those yardages and it's not a kid's tea and it's not a lady's tea it's a beginner it's a, it's a level yeah correct yeah, yeah but yeah. i i think the real the real progress would be made if there could be a templated facility to do that okay. like the I mean, golf carts that J jack nicholas was talking about those, anybody those would like parts. to anybody would like to invest i have i the, the template's been already crafted we're just going to throw it out there i'm just gonna i'm gonna leave sure. it there Alan has a, Alan has a great he has he has it he shared it with me confidentially um and Brennan said you're I when I was at PGA headquarters I was tasked with we're actually working with Jack and his team yeah. to create golf parks that was mm -hmm. the phrase and we were supposed to do that we were supposed to turn soccer fields and baseball fields into these golf parks for the golf experience somewhat to what Andy Andy said uh, but my phrase for years now has been, too long golf industry has said, Andy, you're, you want to get into golf? You have to consume golf this way. Here's the here's the traditions you have to consume versus saying, Andy, you want to get into the game? How do you want to consume it as a newer right. golfer? And then we'll ladder you pathway in. Yep. Options. I would, I yep. would, I'll tell you what, and this, I would just, I would geek out because I'm just a numbers guy, but I would love to have Greg Nathan from, NGF on oh. this one night. Okay. Oh yeah, he's I'm, the he's the new guy in charge too. Actually, right? Yeah, I would. I, yeah, well, yeah Joe, Joe's still Joe's still in charge, but Greg stepped into the presidency to eventually transition in, in when Joe retires. But I'll talk I would, to him right now. I would I would love to have, I'd love to have him on sometime just to good. talk about intention or retention all all these topics and I'm going to be critical of I I think they do some good work. Uh, I'm going to be critical, and I'd, I'd be. This would be the question I would ask: Why was it necessary to start measuring three different silos of golf participation to try to make everybody feel good about <laughs> retention? I mean, or try to feel good about coming to the game? I mean, why is the top? They couldn't couldn't ignore the top golf, so they had to make a silo. Then they made another one in the middle that was going to be, well, they, these people play top golf in, but they also play green grass. And then these are the purists that only play green grass over on this other. Just, just the decision to count top golf 
has made the the numbers look a lot better correct for the last few years i want to continue to name drop but like this was one thing andrew wood andrew wood's one of the best marketers in the game and, and just ask him actually i like andrew <laughs> but he he and i shared a, a common theme a few years back where like you want to change the message or you want to change the outcome change the message and he was very instrumental. I mean, he has a great, great platform. He was, you know, golfers live longer. Golfers, you know, spend quality time with your family. Yeah. Why do we focus only on the fact that it's going to be, you, oh, you're going to be out there for six hours or five hours or whatever the case may be? That is that a terrible thing with your kid? Yeah. Right. I mean, Greg, but, <laughs> Greg Nixon just said he's in. Cool. Oh, there you go. Hey, can we flex a little quiet, please, muscle here? Because I think one of the coolest things about this group is that Bob right away texted the guy that you just said you would love to have on the podcast, right? We've had some amazing guests this year. Like, yeah. if you Andy, really think about I, I think, it. I think I am thankful for some of our amazing guests that we've had this year. Yeah, I'm very much thankful. <laughs> nice, nice little, little gobble gobble segue. Where is it? <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I I think it's pretty pretty damn amazing. And again, I'm gonna, I'm hurting my arm patting ourselves on the back here. But some of the some of the guests we've had this year have been been pretty awesome. And you know, you have to have your tentacles out there to be able to get these people to agree to come on and uh, be a guest on the show. So it's it's. It's a pretty great well, this, thing to be okay because I'm I'm monitoring our time and I'm gonna tell you right now because I know this next one's gonna spin off the rails and take a thousand more minutes than we have prepared for tonight. So as thankful as we are for all those great guests, BE, and as thankful that they came on here, sat down, and our listeners got to hear like Aimpoint just recently. We killed it. That show was awesome. Great job, guys, while I was out failing in political campaign space. It's still raw. It's still raw, boys. As thankful as I am for those people that are improving people's games, we need the not top 50 golf instructors. <laughs> I think we need, because Andy, you've probably run into a few golf instructors in your time. BE, you're a phenomenal golf instructor, as we mentioned all the time. What are some of the silliness? What are some of the things that let's let's literally because I'm guaranteed there's people out there right now they're they're literally thinking uh, arm straight head down. That's what I mean. I I can go first or last. So <laughs> I mean, no. I want to tread. I want to tread lightly on this because I don't want to hurt any egos. There um, is no names associated. I just I'll start. I'll start out real quick. I had a student back when I instructed many many moons ago. Bobby and I were still head pros up in the mid-Atlantic I had a student come to me and said I'm working on leg drive and literally turned their legs completely towards the target <laughs> after as they hit the ball <laughs> knees completely went to, towards the target and I wish I could stand up to show you it but I'm not going to and I just said what the hell was that <laughs> I read it in golf digest <laughs> Which is probably a drill, but they thought it was a move. So, 
Bobby, if you want to, if you want to throw something in there, go ahead because I I have definitely something to say here. I was actually going to say Andy should have the beginning, middle, and end to this. Well, and, and I respect the ever living daylights out of you guys because a you're my friends and and b I know you think out of the box and do things as as instructors that um is not normal for most people who teach golf to do so um but i'm going to say that if if me or anybody else is spending money and time with somebody to get instruction to to get on a path to improve and to um you know hope to have the opportunity to work on your game so that you can make some progress the last thing as a student that I want is I, I don't want to go to somebody, spend an hour of my time and $150 of my money, have him, you know, move my body, put me in the correct positions, take photos and uh, show me what it looks like. And and I think that's all great. And I, I absolutely think that that's part of it. But that's just the beginning. Like, like when I leave that lesson, and I think this is an epidemic in the industry, to be honest with you. When I leave that lesson, I need notes. I need a plan. I need drills. I need goals. I need all those things because we're working toward and progressing toward, you know, a better situation. And so many people stop at the, here you go. Here, Here's what you should look like. And, and this is what your backswing should look like. This is what your impact should look like. Don't stop there. That, that is literally just the first step of 10 that will make you into a, an appropriately good instructor. And I'm sick and tired of, of uh, you know, for myself being a part of that situation, but just watching other people deal with that as well. I just think it's, it's really malpractice. It's funny you should say the malpractice phrase because it is, if you look at the golf industry and golf instruction, even on the PGA side, there is no uniform set. I don't, I don't want to say methodology because everybody's different and it should be that way. But the, the, I guess maybe the law profession, maybe the medical industry, there, there are some, procedures processes that you go by but in golf there's well i've always said there, there's no set industry standard for law or lie or whatever everybody's all over the place anyways and it's it can be like that for instruction as well it's unfortunate um you know i've always given everybody that's come to me a plan here's where we're going to go here's some take-home notes i keep it to three items maybe one item at address maybe one possibly two depending on the player for a swing thought but here's what we're going to do next. Here's your drills. You know, it's it's a shame when, and you're such a great player. I mean, for you not to have somebody give you a plan of attack, that doesn't sound right at all. Uh-oh. Harvey. Yeah, but but I, that's all anecdotal stuff, right? Like, I'm I'm talking about process. Like, I'm I'm literally talking about, about taking somebody, and, and I don't, 
I don't for once think that that every teacher should have the same theories about the golf swing or same concepts. I don't, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that having somebody come and see you and, and, you know, start to go through the process of getting better is just that it's a process and you can't, you can't just give anecdotal bullshit. You can't just give people swing tips or show people what they should be doing. It's not enough. So Andy, should, should not should go ahead. Go ahead. Be you're, you're the so, expert on this one. Go ahead. Well, I've just got to say this is kind of why I've scaled back my own personal coaching because to do what I want to do with these kids I work with, I'm only twelve is my max of number of students I have, and I'm in the nine to ten neighborhood right now. But if I had 150 students, there's no possible way I could walk every single one of them through a process the way it's supposed to be. My theory, oh, and I'm I'm learning every day. I'm, I'm not a golf digest or whatever. It, that stuff doesn't really move me. It's important, but my point is, like, there's two. There's two. You talked about silos, ad, mm-hmm. and how we see golfers. I see the game that way too. And the process for me is first, I need somebody to become a student of the game, which means I have to inform them everything I possibly can and how the swing is supposed to work in theory. Once they can kind of digest that, now we're going to look at your swing and how can we incorporate what we just talked about and made you learn about how the swing's supposed to work and how can we pick apart your swing from A to Z. And then that's just the swing. Now we got to incorporate it into how you play the game. So this is, I got students I've been with for many years and we're just finally getting them to the point. We had a, I have a kid, Sebastian, who shot a 68 in a tournament a couple months ago and he was having trouble breaking 80 before because we weren't to that point yet. And he didn't understand it. He's a teenager. We weren't to the point yet that we could move into taking what we're doing on the range and applying to the golf course because he's got to be stable in his mind and comfortable where his swing is at in order to let all that shit go when we move on to the golf course and put the ball in the hole. It's so, just, it's a long process. So Sebastian, he's a kid, lots of juniors. I can apply it also to, to any junior coming up in any sport. What do you, what do you want to do? Uh, I want to play in the NHL. I want to play Major League Baseball. I want to do that. those expectations. Right. You got to nurture those, right? Yep. Here's my question to you, both of you as great instructors. When that student comes to you, how? and, and this is for the students out there. This is for the guys that want to go out and take a good, get a good, good golf lesson. When does the responsibility come back also to the, to the student of Every week. explaining what my objective is? I am currently a 15 handicap. My short game sucks. I think that's what's causing me to not be a 15. Probably has no idea what really is causing them. When does the instructor ask the question, what is your objective coming to me today? Like the doctor, when I go in and, you know, my blood pressure is up, but they're like, why are you here? I don't know. I'm lightheaded. I mean, there is accountability and responsibility on both from the onset. In the has process, to be right. The student has to be part of the process. You can't just get come 
to a lesson once a week and be spoon fed what you're supposed to do if you're not doing anything in between. And there, com there has to be communication back and forth. That's why another reason why I scaled down, because I need to hear from these kids throughout the week. And I know I work with kids, but this is a perfect recipe for Andy, you know, is, is a, what are you, like a one? Or no, you're a, you're a scratch, wow. right? Yeah. So, I mean, the process doesn't change if you're a plus five or a 35. It's the same. It's at different levels, but the process doesn't change. And Alan, there's, like you said, responsibilities on both ends. That's why it drives me crazy when I lose a student because the 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 idea that I wasn't moving fast enough or I wasn't doing my job is never the case in those situations. It's they're not doing their what they're responsible for as the student. Well, as I said, there will be no names, but I, a conversation with a very qualified golf instructor. And they and that, that golf instructor I was sitting there came in from a lesson and I said, what's up? And the response was, I just wish the student would go home and practice one thing that I actually <laughs> gave them to do. My question is, though, did you actually give them a plan, a specific yeah. plan? Because... Well, I don't because think I, it, I, I well I, because because it's easy for for a, a golf coach to say, "Hey, I want you to work on this between now and the next time." That's a step, but it's not it's not the same, right? And and I think, and and you guys just hit the nail on the head. You have to have the willing student, right? And I would bet that there's more students that are not willing than there are that are willing. So well, that's a big that's a big part of this equation too. Uh, Andy, you, you've said it, I, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, you said you, you're one swing away from being there and one swing away from not being there. Yeah, I'm tired, yeah. I'm, tired of, I'm tired of that situation. That's why I'm seeking a process to, to get myself into a better situation where I'm not on the brink of disaster all the time. That's why I'm doing this, spending my money and Basically, but you're but you're an accomplished golfer. Let's go back to my 15 handicap. You, they, all they relative, get out. What's that? All relative. Okay, that but that that 15 handicap comes out, beats it around Saturday. May play on Sunday also on a good day. May slip out one one hit a bucket of balls or play nine on the weekday. Highly unlikely. And their expectation is to be a, a seven or an eight. Realistic expectation, of course. Anybody can improve, right? With enough practice. What's the practice? What's the process? To your point, what's the process? What are they gonna? What are they? This is what it's gonna take, right? Yeah. Well, and it's st that starts with goal setting. You have to set in inter intermediate goals yep. to get to bigger goals, and they they could be a month, they could be a week. It, you don't know that you don't know how it's going to play out in the, in the time frame. but you, you have to set the goals using that smart goals acronym and be very specific and measurable and all that. Um, and I just don't think there's enough people because golf's freaking hard. <laughs> I just don't think enough people want to put in what it would take to get to what they want in their mind. Hey, Brendan, Bobby, I was just going to say, we are, we are so far ahead here of, of, learning at quiet please that we're already doing the new year's day goal setting program or show <laughs> at thanksgiving <laughs> but 
I mean, Brennan probably sees this too, that there's people that are two handicappers swinging on the range on a flat lie with a good, great lie and a 12 handicap on the golf course. And when people come into me all the time for 40 years, I need a golf lesson. What does that mean? Start talking to them. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm shooting whatever. And they think it's the full swing. How much time do you play? How much time do you devote to your short game? Well, you know, not a lot. I mean, I have people that, that I've, I've watched and I said, there's nothing I can say on this driving range after a few swings. You're swinging basically terrific. Let's go on the golf course. That seven iron from 150 on the first hole, you have a hanging lie. There's a creek in front. There's a little breeze in your face. You think you need to hit seven iron. You might need to hit a cut five iron. How do you play the game? How do you score? It's so completely different. And I've seen some stuff on Facebook. There was one or two people recently. They said, oh, that that on the course. I don't know. I forget the phrase. I, I, but saw, basically, that, I saw that, too. Yeah, it's, I, I, I could. Yeah, I, I disagree so, so bad on that. I can do more help for somebody to score and play the game and learn how to play it and throw in some pace of play and some etiquette. Forget about rules. I, you know, don't play by the rules. I don't really care. Just the etiquette, fix the, di you know, fix divots and all that stuff. And you use the right club. You don't realize when you're going up, up to a elevated green, take a look at some elevated greens. You will find that ball marks are on the first third. There's nothing in the back two third. Nobody uses nope. enough club. Nobody understands wind. Nobody understands anything about that stuff playing. I think it's a lost opportunity yeah you know why bob because i think I, I saw that same post and i think it's it's a greater part of the epidemic of golf coaching where there's the coaching side and there's the analytical side of of golf instruction right and people who do this for a living in general are enamored with the analytical side about, you know, parsing yeah. through the data and yep. you know, track man video inside, inside the perfect, you know, lab, what, what happens with the golf swing. And so I personally think that, that, that is, you know, that's good for them. Like if you want to be, if you want to be a doctor that does research, you do that research on the side. That's, another thing of what you do so that you can provide information to your community or or you can provide information to yourself right but that doesn't change the fact that you have a practice that you have patients that you need to take care of your patients and teach them in this case of golf all those things that you're talking about that's Instead why those awards to me are i don't want to say meaningless but I don't care what D plane is because most of my students have no idea what that is. And so it's why good for, it's good for you to know, right? If 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 you right. look at it and and you want to know, you're not going to use that. No. Yeah. That gets, to the, that gets to the Tommy Armor quote. There's two Tom Tommy Armor Silver Scott quotes that I've used my whole life, and I love telling this to kids, especially because it's an educational thing. And two things Tommy Armor said was, you need to teach somebody a quarter of what you think they can handle because that's usually half too much. Right. The other is right. It's a perfect, the other one is really good, but anyway, what you just said, it's a, a golf instructor needs to know the golf swing in total complexity to then teach it in utter simplicity. Yeah. 
Exactly. I'm just glad you didn't throw any Tommy over the third quotes out there. <laughs> That's for the nighttime show. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Who's on the hot seat tonight? What well, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put Andy on the hot seat, but it's a special kind of hot seat. Um in a second. Thank so well, I don't even remember which one of you. I think it was Bobby. One of you guys said, I look at my game, okay? I always was known as Captain Scrape. I literally have been one turn college tournaments by hitting, well, a, a match, we'll say. I hit two greens in regulation. The guy I was playing hit 17. We tied. Because you know how to play. <laughs> I did know how to play. And he doesn't know how to play. He just knows how to punt. <laughs> I am guilty of falling into the trap, as I think most people do. I got to go down and hit a bucket of balls. I got to go down and hit a bucket of balls. And they would get a thousand percent more use that 15 to become a seven. Go chip, go putt. Chip and putt and play. Chip, well, putt, play. You going to hit more putts ain't going to do anything for you, okay? You I did can't... not. I did not. Andy, I did not go there for positive strokes, but I would take them from you. Thank you so much. <laughs> you cannot improve on that yet. <laughs> All right, Andy. A modified top ten. Give me your top ten complaints. I'm not going to ask the other two guys. I had to ask you because they're in the profession. Top ten complaints about golf instructors. Ooh. Wait a minute. You want me to come up with 10 things? <laughs> right, give, me, give me five. Three. I think I think number one is that people don't, don't give you plans and notes and drills. I think that's number one. I think number two, people tend to be way too enamored with the golf swing itself. Not my golf swing, but the golf swing, meaning that we'll, we'll make this number three that everybody compares people to Tiger Woods instead of comparing it to, you know, me or you or any other regular guy. Um, I think those are, those are three major complaints and, and uh, we'll leave it at that. I think three is enough. 18th green, Mr. No, 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 no. Bobby's on the hot seat tonight. Oh, okay. All right. I don't have time. We, can we do a next one? Yeah, no, we extended it. Go ahead. We'll make yeah. this pass, Robert. All <laughs> right, what's your lowest 18 hole score? 66. What are your three favorite golf courses that you played? Hillview Country Club, North Reading, Mass, where I grew up. Kenilworth Lodge, no longer there in Sebring, Florida. Both of those were my dad was head pro. And Muirfield in Scotland. Very nice. I think I think Muirfield and Hillview are kind of on a different <laughs> set. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I played that course with my dad. Yeah. It was very emotional. What three courses have you not played that you'd like to play? I think the usual is Augusta, although I've driven around it. A few times with drive chip and pub. I haven't played it. Uh, that's a good question. I, I I don't really have an answer. Like I, wow. I think every golf course is really wonderful. It's I'm weird like that. I think every golf course has unique 
characteristics. I'm not trying to sidestep the answer whatsoever. I just think I love the game of golf. I love golf courses. Every course is special. I really do. Like every single golf course, you could hit you. You could be some muni that's hard scrabble and it might be the best shot ever. We'll let that be your answer. That's that's fair. You know they all they all speak to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Name the three best golfers of all time. Gotta go with uh, Jack. I think I'm going Jack, Mickey Wright, and Tiger. Nice call there. Um, what's the best part of your game? Has always been driving it and short game. Okay, what skill is most important to play good golf? I love Jane Blake. I've always had the same thought. Jane Blaylock said this touch. Yep. Okay, who's your favorite golfer, past or present? My dad. Knew that was coming. Great answer. Quickly describe the best shot you've ever hit, time, place, and situation. I, I actually, I probably have two of them. Um, I think I was playing, I, I should know the golf course. It's weird. It was either, I think it was Cohasset. I don't know. It might have been Hatherley back in Massachusetts. It was qualifying for the Mass Open, and I was in a playoff, and I had this 95-yard bunker shot, quirky 95, 90-something 90, 90 yards, and I hit the shot into the sun that was setting, and it landed a foot away. I've never forgot that shot. Every time I have a long bunker shot to this day, and that was probably 1989, um, I always think about it. And the other, the other cool shot I actually have on video, I made a double eagle on the oh, wow. Par 5 at River Run Golf Club uh, doing the Bobby Vermillion show. Um, and it's pretty cool. It's It was a uh, driver four iron from 230 yards. <laughs> wow. Oh, we gotta see that. Was it filmed? It was filmed. I have it on tape, yeah. That's awesome. See that. That's yeah. Awesome. Okay, so tell me what you cherish the most about this great game of golf. Well, the relationships and the memories. You know, nobody, I don't know. It, it's all about relationships. Yep. Okay, 19th hole question. How many aces do you have? Including today, zero. <laughs> I'm not alone. Yes. So I, I literally on Sunday, I mean, is as close as I've ever come to making one without it going in. It, it ended up one ball length right behind the hole kind of on the right side. So I know it just crawled over the right edge. I've, I've ball, flown it in. My mark was six inches in front. I, I've I've lipped it out. I've hit the stick multiple times. I've actually hit it into the hole where it hit the metal and bounced out. Yeah. I've yep. done everything before my dying day. I hope to make one. Well, maybe you're just not a good enough person, Bob. Maybe I'm like Ben Hogan and I just don't <laughs> aim at the hole. Yeah. <laughs> You survived the quiet, please, hot seat. Well done. Well played. Well done. 19th hole, Brendan. Bring it home. Eight, 18th hole? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nine, okay. 18th hole. You know, I was thinking um, for, my, <laughs> for my final thought, I was thinking uh, 
back to what we were talking about earlier about entertainment and the skins game and stuff. I just watched the last two days. I watch a lot of YouTube with a lot of these golf influencers and it was Bryson and Garrett from good, good playing a two person scramble. They did nine. They posted yesterday and nine. They posted today and they were trying to break 50 from the red tees and they shot 50. And I was just every second of that. I was into that whole video. So I think there's something to be said about some of these guys that are doing these YouTube channels. Cause that was, that was a good watch. Definitely. That's awesome. <laughs> Mr. Hydorn. So I'll, I'll, I'll have two quick ones. And on that note, Brendan, I had one until you just said that, but um, what I would love to see is four tour players, you know, Jordan, Justin, you know, Ricky, Rory, whoever, tee it up in a scramble on a regular golf course, you know, from 6,800 yards yep. and see what they shoot. No mulligans, no, you know, if you wink at the girl at the table, you get to write down a hole in one or anything like that. <laughs> but just literally see what they would score. Only for $250. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that would be super interesting, especially in the, the climate of crazy scramble scores that are being posted. They would shoot 46. Anymore, yeah. I bet they wouldn't shoot anywhere near 46, to be honest with you. Well, um, you know where you, you know where you comes, you know, another another podcast, but Barstool for foreplay. Um Kiz played with uh in the didn't he play no, they don't play a scramble, do they? They play best ball, don't they? Yeah. For the, the St. Jude. He, well, no, he played out in Pittsburgh. He played played in the qualifier for their uh for their their tournament. He he oh, was the partner awesome. in that. Yeah. That one's on that one's out there on YouTube. But, but yeah. I, I do I do think that'd be super interesting to see what four tour players could ultimately shoot in a scramble because I, I think, think a, I think that'd be a great money raise for charity, right? Oh yeah, for sure. So Okay, Patrick, my, Patrick, my Cantley, Patrick Cantley would not play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And as of today, Goldman Sachs is not going to sponsor him either. So, <laughs> my my final point is, I forgot to do this last week. So prior to uh, Lexi Thompson teeing it up in the men's event, um, I for the life of me couldn't figure out what she was doing. She's had a miserable year playing golf. She's just been totally off her game but damn did she show up and show up well um she played great she was inside the cut line i think at one point in the second round um so yeah good for her because i i i was not thinking it was gonna go anywhere near that good for her bb but we learned this week that uh, Mr. Paul Azinger is out of a job on NBC. So I read some articles on who might be his replacement. And I actually agreed with one of them. And I know it sounds really bizarre, but, um, you know, what if Lee Trevino was the analyst? <laughs> I thought, now that's thinking outside the box. Although there was some sentiment for like a Jeff Ogilvie, major champion winner, 
like real keen insights, things in that they could go that way. But then I got to thinking, I, I, not not saying Andy Rooney from the old 60 minutes, but, you know, to, to have somebody like a, I don't know, like a, like a Lee Trevino or somebody of that era that might get a minute on air. I think it would be kind of a cool thing on, on the broadcast that would bring the newer golfers. Here we are talking about new people in the game, appreciating some of the history of the game because history is wonderful. Um, so we'll see what happens with um, the replacement there. He's done it before. He's yeah. He, he used to work for NBC TV, and the only reason I know that every time I think about Lee Trevino on TV, he used to say he's in the bunker. <laughs> that was Lee Trevino. I think that ball rolled into the bunker. I think you would have seen. I thought think you would have seen Phil in there sometimes if he had not gone off the rails. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so too. Oh, he would have been perfect. Commit character suicide. <laughs> I am going to conclude with the spirit of the week by saying things I'm thankful for. As my final thought, three of them are right on the screen. My my amigos, I am extremely thankful for you. I'm Who thankful knows? for our little cadet small who will be back joining us uh, <laughs> next week <laughs> after uh, after he gets down to down to basketball coach now also apparently but it's for his church so that's good. Uh, I'm thankful for uh, two sons, a daughter-in-law, a beautiful bride, a bonus son, and as of this weekend, gender reveal, a grandson to be. That's right. Congratulations. So that's awesome. Things I'm thankful for on this turkey day. <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> you only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30-plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan DePew, today at 717-554-8519. That's 717-554-8519.